The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. I'd like us to turn to Revelation 2 for a few verses, and then we'll go back to Genesis. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have lost your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, for else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And then if we could turn back to Genesis. And we are in Genesis 33. We're going to start with verse 17. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth. He built himself a house and made booze for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place was called Succoth. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Paddan Maram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he brought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamar, Shechem's father, for one hundred pieces of money. There he erected an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of she- the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as my wife. Now could you go down to verse chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Sanctify yourselves. Change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God came upon the cities that were all around them. 
and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place of it Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from his brother. Dear Lord Jesus, we pray for a double portion of thy Holy Spirit today upon thy word. We pray you would, we praise you. You promise to anoint your word. And even as we read it, we pray, Lord, that it would cut through our hearts, cut through our pretext, cut through to our minds, our souls, and our spirits. And that, Lord, you would set us free. Teach us, Lord Jesus, what you want to say today in this lesson. And we pray, Father, you would remove us from Shechem. And let us get into the land of Bethel and live in the full privileges of children of the king. Now, Jesus, would you teach today? We just thank you that we have not because we ask not. Would you come and open the words to all of our hearts as we meet at sisters as sisters at thy feet? And that, Lord, when we go from this place, we know that we will have been with you. Thank you that your strength is made perfect in weakness. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I read a quote this week that was a very searing kind of quote. It said that if you and I make it to heaven, it will be the mercy of the Jesus. But if you and I land in hell, it will be because of our own choice and our own series of choices. And do you know, this comes graphically, hits us between the eyes again when we look at Jacob. And just, I would like to be able to paint to you a victory picture. What did we deal with last week? We dealt with Peniel, where God met Jacob. He used circumstances to get a grip on the life of that man, get a grip on his heart. He finally got him scared to death. And so Esau was coming with 400 men. The pressure was on. There was no way any of his conniving was going to get him out of the situation. And so God got him alone and wrestled with him all night. Could not break his will till he put his hip out of socket. Got his hip out of socket. And then he gave him a new name. And Jacob, and then God moved in on Esau, and there was reconciliation. There was not death in this destruction. There was a deep movement of the Spirit of God in a restoration of family relationships. And in the heart of the new man, Jacob, called Israel. Well, way back in 31, God had said, I want you to arise and go to Bethel. Now, where was Bethel? Bethel was where he began to his initial relationship with God when he was running away the first time because of his deceit and trickery and his treachery against his father and his brother. And God met him at Bethel. And God calls him again and he says, I want you to leave the land of Laban and I want you to get back into Canaan and I want you to get to Bethel and claim it for God. So, so that's what he did. So, is that what he did? Even though he had that direct encounter with God? And is that not like so many of us? 
God stirs our hearts in church on Sunday morning. God stirs our heart in Sunday night. God stirs our heart on Wednesday night. He stirs us in Bible study. We get stirred up, stirred up, stirred up. But what God is looking for is those of us who will begin to walk in obedience, to walk the long walk. And if God says to us, go to Bethel, we won't end up in Succoth and Shechem. And that's exactly what he did. Verse 17, he departs from Esau. He's, he's, God has moved into his circumstances. God has even moved into his heart and given him a new name. And yet, what does he do? He goes to Succoth and he builds himself a house and he makes booze. And he kind of meanders into the will of God. He doesn't do like Abraham did. Remember when God said, I want you to offer Isaac on the altar? The next morning before dawn, he got up and began the journey with his son Isaac. He was an instant obeyer. There is none of that in Jacob. And he begins to meander toward Bethel. Now he's, and then he gets to Succoth. And what had God called him to be? A nomad. He was to be a pilgrim. He was to be one that was to go, to go from place to place in the promised land. And what does he do? He buys property and Succoth. He builds a house and makes booze. And when he gets to Shechem, he pitches his tent before the city and he buys property and he pays how much money? He pitches his tent and he bought a parcel of land where he pitched his tent before the children of Hamar. And he paid a hundred pieces of silver for property. And do you know what? He was sabotaged from hell. Now, if you and I have made decisions for Jesus just recently in your life and in my life, do you know what? Do not be surprised if the evil one comes and tries to sabotage you and sabotage me so we never get into all that God's got for us at Bethel and we end up in Shechem or Succoth. And I want to know, are you living in Succoth today? Or have you pressed on to the full will of Jesus Christ? And you say, well, does it really matter? Oh, my. The tragedy in the next two chapters. I hope it just hits us like searing lead between the eyes until we can't get over it. And there puts God puts a holy fear in our souls to live one more day in Succoth and not head out to Bethel. Do you remember the story from C.S. Lewis? The one, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Remember the children ended up passing through a wardrobe in their uncle's old home in London, and they ended up in a make-believe land called Narnia. And in Narnia, it was always winter, but yet never Christmas, because it had been controlled. The control of the country had come under the control of the white witch. And the one that should have controlled the country was a great lion named Aslan, who was good, not safe, but good. Well, the children are there, and remember they meet talking badgers and beavers and talking animals. And there were four children, Lucy, Edmund, um, Susan, and Peter. Well, do you know what happens with Edmund? He mumps into the white witch. He loses his way from the other children. And while he is away from them, the white witch comes in her big sleigh and envelops him up and 
and is surprised to find the son of Adam there in her country of Narnia that she's taken over that doesn't really belong to her. And she begins to talk to him. And do you know what she offers him? She offers him Turkish delight. And Edmund tastes the Turkish delight, and he likes it. And he eats the whole box of Turkish delight. And then the white witch says, if you will follow me, and if you will betray, doesn't use that word, but is what the essence of it is, your brother, your sisters, and all the talking animals in Narnia, at the end of your time, if you do your job well, I will give you more Turkish delight. And do you know what I think that was happening right here today? In this chapter, as the enemy comes to Jacob and says, let me just give you a little bit of the Turkish delight of Succoth. Because do you know what is representative there? Security. Let's just settle down and get a little property. I'm tired of just moving all over kingdom come. I've lived with my father-in-law long enough. Is it wrong? We'll just settle here in Succoth and just make a name for ourselves. So he settled down. And then what happens? While he is meandering toward the will of God, but not doing the will of God, and is in a backslidden condition, and he is living right in Canaan, right by all the the Canaanites, who falls prey to the evil one? And who is the victim of his backslidden condition? His children. And Dinah goes out to make friends with the women in the neighborhood. And she's raped. If he'd gone on to Bethel, she wouldn't have had that opportunity. She wouldn't have been raped. And her daddy was not doing the full will of God for him. And what happened? Her His daughter paid the price for his disobedience. And then there's a whole chapter where it talks about Shechem, who it says in this chapter was the man that that raped her. He said, I want her for my wife. So he comes to Jacob and he says, please, can I have her as a wife? You can live here with us. You will, Our property will be your property. Our children will be your children. Our daughters will be your wives. Our sons will be your husbands. And you can prosper. We'll all be one happy family. What he's saying is, just stay here with us. Just compromise with us. Just you live here and we'll all just be one happy family. There's an incredible desire in your heart and in my heart for security. But there's something in security that can cause us to compromise with the very things that will destroy not only our own souls, but the souls of those for whom we are responsible such as family and children. And you notice the response of Jacob while he's in Shechem. Is he angry and indignant righteously over the violation of his daughter? No. You think, well, does he have that capacity? Compare this to his grief 
when his son Joseph is supposedly killed. He mourns, he wails, he refuses to be comforted. But I think there had moved into his heart where he wasn't backslidden and away from God. But all his responses in this chapter are he is absolutely backslidden. So he doesn't even have the capacity to be righteously indignant. And his sons come home and they are. And there's a righteousness about their anger. And they say this ought not to be. But do they have any pattern in their lives for dealing with doing the right thing the right way? None. And they, they're, they're righteous in their response and in their anger to the violation of Dinah. But do you know how they handle it? They handle it just like their father has. Deceit and trickery and treachery and now violence. Do you know what? We live in a society today that is made up of absolutely backslidden Christians. We have all kinds of people that make all kinds of decisions for God. But what God is looking for today is for some women who will say, do or die, I will go through with Jesus Christ. And I am not going to live in Shechem or Succoth one more day. I am going to ask God to move into my heart that security is on the altar. My money's on the altar. My future's on the altar. My children are on the altar. My husband's on the altar. I myself crawl onto the altar. And that I will do the full will of God or die trying. And do you know those are the kind of women that God can use to transform a world? I reread Amy Carmichael's biography and she was just a child. And she was walking in the streets of Ireland and there was an old woman that was carrying a heavy load on Sunday. And she and her brothers went and helped the old woman and all the people were coming out of church and they looked with utter disdain at the old woman and what the children were trying to do. She wasn't one that they were to be associating with. And Amy said that as she picked up the burden and helped that woman, something came in her heart that said, no, I am going the way of the cross. And the question in your heart today and the question in my heart today is are we willing to go the way of the cross? And there will be no security but Jesus. There will be no finances but Jesus. There will be no future but all future. And you will have to give up every single bit of Succoth and every single bit of Shechem and embrace Jesus and only Jesus. And I'd like to just be less severe. But my heart is breaking today because I just think we play church in Wilmore. We play church in Lexington. We just play church. And I don't see anybody pressing on to Bethel. I don't see anybody that's just getting desperate for God. We could have revival if God and God would come. But who's there to meet early morning every day to seek God? Are there any of us that are willing to discipline our lives and to seek His face? It is a narrow walk, but it is a full walk. It is an eternal walk. And out of that kind of broken abandonment to Jesus Christ, there will be spiritual reproduction and children in your life and in my life. Are you having any spiritual children? Or is the pull of the world so strong? Even though there have been many trips to the altar. God is looking for some that will fully be His. And their security will be Jesus Christ. So not only did Dinah pay, 
But Simeon and Levi paid because they had never had a father. He talked about God, but he never walked it. He was beginning, but he was so up and down. Their responses were all wrong responses. They lied. They had the whole group of people circumcised. And they were all willing to do it. Everybody, it's just this incredible chapter of deceit. One group is saying, oh, we'll deceive you, but they don't say that. And then all your money will be ours. And the other one, all your property will be ours. And everyone has a different agenda. It's just like how every single one of us works, except for the grace of God. There is no integrity in relationships, and there's no honesty apart from full surrender to the will of Jesus Christ and an infilling of the Holy Spirit 100% in your life and in my life. All it is is a masquerade of lies. And so Shechem and his dad have one agenda. The, the brothers have another agenda. And where is the patriarch of the family? Out to lunch. The only time you get a response from him at the end of this is when he is afraid that he will be killed. And he goes, Oh my, you've troubled me by making me odious among my neighbors. Are there sometimes in society today where we say, we need to, we want to stand up for our rights, but we say, well, I, or do what God wants us to do and stand up for what's right and truthful. And yet we say, well, I can't do that. I might be sued. I can't do that. There might be repercussions. There needs to come into us. Some of us that will stand up and say, whether there are repercussions or not, I must do what is right and what is the full will of God. Remember that time that Tim, Sue Philpott's husband Tim sued the United, this Kentucky State Senate because he kept, they kept tabling bills on abortion and they'd never bring pro-life registration out. He found an old law. And he just sued the whole Senate. Because they weren't doing what was right. Now has he paid a price for that? Oh, a great price. He's still paying the price. But God is needing some of us that will stand in the gap. And will not say, well I can't, now you've made me odious to my neighbors and they might kill me. You don't know what will happen to me. And the only one in this chapter again that Jacob cares about is Jacob himself. Now, God is faithful. You just have to say, Jesus, you are too good. And he is. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all and generations. In 35, after the butchery in Shechem and after Dinah's come home, God says to him one more time, Jacob, will you now arise and go to Bethel? And Jacob is shaken up enough again and he gets up and goes to Bethel. And then Jacob begins to take some spiritual initiative for his family. And what does he do? He says, put away all your foreign gods and all your idols. Now all those foreign gods, some of them have been in that family since Rachel took her daddy's. And that may have been as long as 10 years that they were lingering in this in Shechem. And so he says, let's get rid of all those foreign gods. So they bring him all their idols and all their foreign gods and he hides them under the terebinth tree in Shechem. 
And then he says, and, and then he said, purify yourselves, sanctify yourselves. They all got clean and they, and he said, let's get our hearts clean. Let's seek the face of God. And they do. And as they move to get their hearts right with God and begin to walk with God again in reality and truth, what happens? God moves in again to make it possible for them to obey him and to live in a non-Christian world. And the terror of God falls on all the people around, so not a soul comes against him. The terror of God. And if you and I will begin to walk with God and begin to put away all our idols and all our impurities and say, Lord, let me press on to Bethel. If you and I will make that step, God will move heaven and earth on our behalf for us to go forward. And if we are not going forward, it is not because God is not there to make it possible. It is because we choose not to go. It is our choice. It is not God's will. There is the capacity in your heart and in my heart to choose God. He gives us that grace. And if we are not choosing it, if we are not persevering into the heart of God, it is means it is our choice and it is not his. And do you know who will bear the brunt of your choice and my choice? It will be your children and my children. It will be our children. It will be our families, those born and those yet unborn. And the greatest thing you can do today in this Bible study is to sit here and go through with Jesus Christ 150%, not only for your life, but the lives of the generations to come to the thousandth generation. And I can say it till I turn blue, but only Jesus can apply that to your heart and my heart. Only Jesus can apply that. Is there any sucketh in your life? Is there any idols? Is there anything you love more than Jesus Christ? Do you know what I notice many times when couples leave Asbury? They will live by a shoestring. They will be white hot for Jesus while they're here. They may be frustrated and poor as can be. But do you know what? They do not lose the faith. Do you know where they lose the faith? And lose their ardor and passion for God when they get in the parsonage. And they begin, he gets a salary, and then she picks up part-time work or another job, and then they begin so that it's he and, and then they begin to get comfortable. And it doesn't matter if the things of the kingdom go on or not. There's a little nest egg in the bank. They've got something for the future, and they lose their fire. And they're actually in the ministry. And you can say, how many of you led to the Lord? And they've none. How many of you prayed with? They're none. How many of you witnessed to? They're none. Because they've been diverted. They've come in and they've eaten the Turkish delight of the enemy. And he doesn't do it with immorality. Sometimes he does. But many times it's a subtle pressure of materialism. And it robs us of our passion. God says to us, is there not one today who will say, no, Jesus, no. Can it not be that I can make it to 75 with the same passion I had when you met me with my first love at 22 at my Bethel, wherever it was? Do you love him today the same way you did when you met him wherever you met him? Were you 18 in college? Where were you when you first met Jesus Christ and you knew the love of Jesus flowing over your soul? Do you love him with that same kind of passion and abandon? Or have the pressures of life 
Have the insecurities of life. Have the other things come in so that the deepest passion of your soul is not Jesus anymore, but it's how do I look? Or what's the future for me? Or I sure would like to take a vacation. I don't know what it is, but are there any idols that need to be buried under the tambourine tree? Because if you are willing to bury them, God is willing to meet you, and he's willing to meet me. And then they got there, and he made an altar. And he called on the name of the Lord. You know what God can do today? You can make an altar and call on the name of the Lord and ask God to move in and begin to make a reality in your life the living presence of Jesus so that you are all his. Remember in the book, In His Steps, one of the key ways to see if you and I are keeping our first love for Jesus, our first love. As his life hits us, we say, Jesus, what would you do in this situation? What is your will? What would you do? And remember the one man, Alexander Powers, was a worker. He was the head of the um, railroad company there in that little town that the book is talking about. And all of a sudden, he begins, as he says, what would Jesus do? He begins to open up, care for his workers, and he makes a lunchroom, and he begins to have coffee provided. He brings the pastor once a week to talk to the men, and he begins to care for their physical needs and their emotional needs, and and God begins to touch his heart. And God begins to move in the railroad company and works. But one day while he's getting going through his mail, Alexander Powers just opens a letter addressed to him, but realizes that it's a mistake. And what has happened is there is a letter that is full-scale evidence that the railroad company is lying and cheating and has taken masses amounts of money that do not belong to them. So what is Alexander Powers going to do? If he turns in the men at the railroad company that are stealing, what will happen to Alexander Powers' job? Then the question comes to him, what would Jesus do? And long into that Friday night, he wrestles with that question. At the same time that he's wrestling with that question, another woman in the town was in this same church where they were confronted with what would Jesus do in the circumstances. And she was a beautiful singer. And her name was Rachel. And so that she is being tapped by some music companies and some show business companies because of her tremendous talent. And her family is very into her being used. They want her to go into the music, um, to sh- like showbiz. They want her to go into that. Well, she is confronted with the question, what would Jesus do? And so she begins to wrestle that same day with that question. And she turns down the two offers to the two music companies. And that Friday night ends up, instead of going for the interviews and the offers, 
she goes up where they're having a little city mission on the raw edge of town where all the drunks and the saloons and the bars are. And there's an open-air meeting, a tent meeting, and Rachel, with her beautiful voice, goes and sings that night in the tent. And as she sings, she sings, Where he leads me, I will follow. Alexander Powers is coming out of the railroad office, still wrestling with what he will do. Will he obey Jesus and do what's right and lose his job? Or will he not? Just pretend he never saw the letter. And as she sings, he stops on the street corner because he hears her. The voice, Her voice is carried. And he decides yes. And so does she. And yes, he does lose his job. And his wife and daughter don't understand it. And he pays an incredible price to follow God. What is Jesus wanting you and me to do? What questions are you and I facing? What is the will of Jesus Christ in your life and my life? It is not convenient to follow Jesus. It is not always it is not lucrative. But God says that if you and I will lay down our lives and die, Jesus can resurrect them again. And not only your life in eternity, but he can use our lives as they're poured out for him to touch a lost, broken, bleeding world. Are you all his? Is there any Shechem in you? Is there any Shechem in me? Have we said yes to the full will of God? Are we pressing on to Bethel? Is Jesus your very best friend? Is the will of Jesus Christ the most important thing in your life and mine? God is looking for women like that today. He is looking for women who love him not with half their heart or 95% of their heart, but 100% of their heart. All of Jesus for all of me and for all of you. And you know, the hour is late. Our world dies. And we need to stop like Nero playing the fiddle while Rome burns and really get serious with the full will of God for our lives. The question is, will we do it? Will we do it? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Search us, O God, we pray today. And Lord, we just plead the blood that you would move in our hearts, and that, Lord, there would be no wicked way in our hearts. But, oh, Father, you would move in our hearts and let us be women of the white-hot heart, women, Jesus, and whom are pressed into the heart of Jesus to Bethel. So there is no will in our hearts but the will of Jesus, that the passion of our souls is Jesus himself. Lord, only you can do that in us. Only you can do that. We're just like Jacob. 
Lord, we, we start out and then we fall back. And we start out and we fall back. But Lord, the incredible implications of being backslidden and away from God. Father, they're so awful. Not only in our own lives, but in the, our progeny and our children. Jesus, we plead the blood. Oh, would you come and make us gut level on us today? And would you give us courage? Courage to follow you. Courage to do what only you could do in our lives. So that just like that African martyr who wrote the fellowship under unashamed, and he wrote, I refuse to meander in the maze of mediocrity. And Lord Jesus, would you do that in our lives today so there would come in our souls a longing to not be mediocre, but a longing to jump into the arms of Jesus and never, ever look back. Lord, you did it in Joseph. Could you not do in our hearts what only you can do? In Jesus' name, amen.